Good morning. Welcome to Meathead Hippie. I am so excited because this was a giveaway that I hosted on Instagram. Two people got one of everything. They got the Meathead Hippie shirt. They got a Meathead Hippie interview. They got an MPAC. They got the Body Awareness Project choice of skin or adrenal program. They got the strength program and an MFIT challenge. They just, they got hooked up and I had two winners that um, were picked. And so I'm about to interview one of those amazing guests. So uh, I'm excited to have her just do a quick, fun 10 to 15 minute Q&A and just hopefully the same question she has, so do you. And so before she hops on, I just wanted to tell you how excited I am about this incredible guest I have today. Um, this guest is somebody I have listened to over and over in my ears, in my car. Being boss, Kathleen is on my podcast, which is just insane because it's like I listen to her all the time and then all of a sudden she's saying I want to be a meathead hippie. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is such an honor. Um, so it was just really incredible. We connected via Instagram as most connections have happened these days, but I wanted to quickly read her bio. Kathleen Shannon is the co-founder of Braid Creative, a branding agency that helps creative entrepreneurs and purpose-driven organizations blend who they are into the work they do with a clear and confident brand. Kathleen is the co-host of the iTunes chart-topping podcast, Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs, which currently has over 5 million downloads, and they have incredible guests. Seriously, go subscribe right now. Hopefully, you see me on there soon. <laughs> Kathleen uh, recently debuted her first book. They just came out with her first book, Being Boss, Take Control of Your Work and Live Life on Your Own Terms, published, published by Running Press in April 2018. And I love it because her whole podcast outlines the whole story. When Kathleen isn't working, you can find her playing with kettlebells in the gym, meathead what, making endless lists and journals, or going on adventures with her husband and their four-year-old son, Fox. Seriously, this was such an honor for me. So, so excited to have her on the podcast. She will be right after um, Sharif, my Q&A, the winner. Please listen in and go follow her at and Kathleen on Instagram. Um, also, Being Boss Club and her, her, her company, Braid Creative. <laughs> I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. to be a hippie podcast. Yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> um, this is so fun. So for all my listeners, we're just jumping right into this. Are you ready? Yes. Um, so I'm going to just introduce you really fast, but most of you, um, you'll, it, you're new to me too. So this is fun. We'll get an intro to everybody. I love your shirt. She's wearing a meathead hippie shirt. Yes. This is so great. Yeah. Um, so you are my first winner of this recent giveaway that I did. What, what? Did you get all your stuff? Um, almost. I'm still waiting on the impact and I'm so excited for the impact. I've been talking about it every day. Every single day. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's so great. Well, this is so fun because it's just so great. 
one, I love listening to questions directly, like through Facebook Lives or through emails or taking Instagram DMs. But this is definitely a first to get you on the podcast and just ask whatever you want. So this is a full conversation. We can go anywhere you want, girl. Whatever oh you want. That shit crazy, as you say. That shit crazy. Okay, let's start with you telling me a little bit about yourself. Oh man, I wasn't prepared for that. Okay, um, I'm 28 years old. I live in LA. I just moved here actually in February. Uh, I'm married to my wife. We got married last April in San Diego. Congrats. Thank you. Um, I'm an actor and yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel I've, I've been a big fan of yours for a long time, actually. That's so Um, cool. I thought I loved, I loved watching you on the challenges. You were like, I was your number one fan of the challenges. I was always rooting for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Yeah. Good times. Good times watching that show. I love it. I know it's been a minute. Everyone's like, are you doing it again? And I'm like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you have enough things going on. I don't know if you should dive into that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, this is so great. Um, I guess the best place, you know, I said, if you have questions, prepare questions. If you, you know, we can kind of go on tangents, um, oh, but yeah. we'll, I'll just start there. If you have any questions for a Q and a, uh, please hit me up. <laughs> okay. Um, so one thing I wanted to kind of start with, it's kind of heavy, but it's not heavy. It doesn't have to be heavy, but it can be heavy if you want it to be. Let's go heavy. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Um, I feel so connected to you. We actually have a lot in common. Uh, we are both Capricorns. We both grew up in pretty, mine was religious strict. I'm pretty sure. I think you've talked about it before. I think there's this religious strict. Like I was not allowed to watch pretty much anything. And MTV was locked for most of my life. I wasn't allowed to do any of that. Um, I also made it to the final rounds of interviews for the real world. And it was, I think it was the DC season because I was in college and we're like, we're pretty much the same age. almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm 29. So Yeah. Yeah, and I remember seeing that season, and I remember seeing you. That's so crazy. (laughs) It sounds like we would have been the same personality from what I felt. Super quickly, Cherie, um, I'm. I think I'm gonna make you disconnect from headphones. Does that sound better? Oh, it sounds like a completely different human. But yes, that does sound better. Okay. 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 I like this. I like this. All right. Good. Okay. So question. So yes, we would have been best friends slash we would have been the same. Yeah. Now we're both kind of on our paths into the world, enriching our lives with all of this information and love and all of the things that we're both doing individually. So I, I'm wondering how your relationship is with your family Mm. uh, post Religious, (laughs) religious, <laughs> religious indoctrination as a young child. And then after all the things that you've been through. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, for those who don't know my background, I'll try to just be like short and sweet, uh, to give some background and then I'll kind of, 
that might actually help with the answer. So I grew up in what I call the cults. And I think cult has various levels of severity, right? But I really felt based off of somebody in power in a religious situation, in a controlled environment, um, very suppressing, very patriarchal. In my mind, what I lived in was a cult. So um, that being said, I was very blessed because my mom and dad, something, I think it was really the lack of education we were getting because it was all integrated, Bible school, school, et cetera. We were all in this kind of cornfield area. So when that happened, I was 13 and we left it. So I, I felt like at a an age that was perfect to leave something like that happen because if I would have stayed in it longer, it would have been a lot harder to transition into like some prime years of my life that I needed to experience. So um, that being said, it took a long time for all of us to recalibrate. And it, I think it was really my relationship with my mom has always become stronger as I get older, especially because she, it was just this respect that we had for each other. And I felt really lucky. And she's such a free spirit and such a hippie and totally listening right now and just such a magical human and um, an incredible teacher, first and foremost, even in the cult. And so it just was very easy for her to transition, whether she thinks it was easy or not, like she was able to um, find ways out. And I think all of us had this kind of swing of a pendulum where we like hated religion. Like for me, especially where it was like anything religious, I want nothing to do with because to me, religion meant I had to conform and it meant claustrophobia. And ultimately it was this fear that because I was so, I was all in, you know, it was something that I believed in and I thought that it was everything. And the fact that it wasn't everything um, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, this was all a lie. And I believed it. I drank the Kool-Aid even at a young age. I felt so bad about myself for that. And so I wanted nothing to do with it. And it really was real world that actually helped me come to terms with people that had belief in God or Jesus or whatever it was to understand that it didn't have to be in a negative way, you know, whether I chose to be really religious or not, which I, I'm, I am not, I'm very spiritual and I'm, you know, not an atheist, but pretty agnostic. I feel like I was, it was really helpful for me to see those people, especially Mikey, who is on my season, who is married to a man. And that was really huge to see somebody accepted in a church that also was gay. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, there's, there's hope. Like not all religion is bad. So that being said, um, my dad, is very religious still. So in his own way. And so we just, that, that's a path we just had to navigate. Right. So he's still figuring out, I think, I don't know what he would consider himself, but he still is religious. And I think there's always going to be things we just don't talk about. So whether it's MTV or whether it's my relationship or whatever I might be might be doing. And I think that's just a dad thing versus the religion thing. But I do feel really blessed with the way that my family, my mom and my dad were able to just like be a support system, even though we didn't know what the hell was happening and we didn't know how to navigate it. There was no judgment on anybody's part, like that you're not religious anymore. And so I think I got really, really lucky in that sense. Oh, that sounds so nice. Are you struggling with that a little bit back home? Um, a little bit, you know, it just, it's hard, uh, you know, being with my wife and having to 
reconstruct that relationship with my parents and not offend them. So yeah, the balancing of, you know, I don't want to offend them and I don't want them to offend me. So it's, teeter-totter. <laughs> it's like walking on eggshells, right? It's so hard. Yeah. It's just, and there's nothing better than being accepted for who you are. And that just takes so much time. And it's so hard when it comes to the generational gap. And I think that we're the first generation where, you know, when we have our kids and we have kids in school that are in middle school, it's going to be completely normal, right? It's never, and that's a beautiful thing to think about. Like, that that's even happening now. Like imagine that happening when we were in middle school, we would have been like, what? So I do think that it is changing fairly quickly with the amount of effort that's been put in, but I totally get that frustration. So I really hope with time that they just get it because they're missing out on that relationship with you if they don't get it. <laughs> They'll get it. We'll get there. They'll get it. Totally. <laughs> um, oh, something I, I, another thing, uh, so groceries for this amazing new diet. Uh, I don't even like to call it diet. This amazing paleo life. Uh-huh. Um, do you have suggestions on any sort of subscription? Like my friends have suggested Thrive Market. Uh, I know I've, I've heard you mention Butcher Box. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but is there any sort of uh, thing that you suggest or that you love? I love that you just asked me this because I'm literally like scouring the internet because there's two things. So like there's the first thing is, um, what is the gap? Like, is it because it's hard to quickly put meals together or is it because you get bored? And so I like, if it's just finding access to things, then I love the idea. Like I'm not a part of Thrive Market, but it's just, it's basically Costco for healthy food, right? So that's awesome because you can get quick access. Um, there's other subscription boxes that I've used with MFIT Challenge, One Stop Paleo Shop, because they ship to Canada specifically. So that was like a win. So a lot of my Canadians, like finally getting them access to ghee and coconut oil was awesome. But for the most part, the meat, um, I usually get like a quarter of a cow myself every year and share it if it doesn't fit, you know, kind of pass it around to the people I work with. And then Butcher Box is incredible because it is a subscription box of high quality meat. So I've really, really enjoyed them. But if you are having a hard time with prepared meals, I'm actually digging around for some prepared meals. And I just searched this last night. I was like, what is the best prepared meal? Because most of them have canola oil and they make me so, they're like 300 calories. And when you eat this way, you need like substantial calories. So I was thinking, um, I have some coming on their way and I will give you an update on my next podcast as soon as they deliver. Um, but one of the ones that I love, if I'm just getting stuck with my creativity in meals, even if I do it for two weeks or a month, you could do it every other week is uh, green chef because they have paleo and keto. And I like that they make sure that their um, products, like, you know how much waste is in every single bag. So it's like a blue apron, you know, it's any of those where it ships you the ingredients. So there's a bag of garlic, there's a bag of vegetables. And so it ends up being bags and bags and bags and bags. And even the ice thing is wasteful. So Green Chef is like the only one that actually acknowledges like, this is pretty third, this is pretty first world. So if you're going to do it, this is, we're going to make everything compostable and recyclable. And that makes me feel good about it. So Green Chef is my favorite. Like you still have to cook the meal, but I feel better about it. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) Um, 
another one that came to mind was how do you find stillness? Because you are the busiest person I think I've ever seen, ever. <laughs> In all of the Instagram world that I follow, <laughs> every time I look at yours, I'm like, damn, she is on the train. She I know. Going. The train is not stopping. That's for sure. <laughs> stillness. Man, oh man, this is a battle, right? So this is, um, I don't like being still. So one of the first things was understanding why I don't want to be still. Is it because I'm uncomfortable being still? And that always came back to, I felt like I wasn't worthy enough. And that always came back to my upbringing. So really digging into how I was raised and that whole concept, this is why religion gets skewed is because it's saying you're never worthy. And that becomes ingrained in your belief system at a very pivotal age. And so that's what's hard with any religion, I think, is just knowing that even if you do believe in it, like you cannot you can't grow up thinking you're not good enough. You just can't. And so whether it's your mom, your dad, or your system that you're in, it just will always be a problem. So that's something I've just had to work with with a therapist quite a bit. And just know like, God, that guilt, that guilt I feel about being still is because I always am going to feel like I'm not doing enough. And so coming to terms with that was huge for me and knowing that that existed and acknowledged it, not that I don't struggle with it, but at least being aware of it was helpful. And then also just knowing that it was part of my personality just because I love creating things and creativity is actually what I'm looking for. I, I want to express things. And so sometimes that turns into busyness. So if I can create things that aren't taking a ton of energy, that is what is helpful. So my stillness of creativity, um, usually is writing. So it's usually drawing something or a poem or podcasting. So I'm still learning and I still feel like my brain is like, it's Zen, but I still feel like I can, you know, multi, it's like I'm tricking my body. Like I'm still, but I still am learning or I'm sitting in a sauna. So I'm sweating. So those are my ways of stillness instead of just taking a yoga class. Have you tried? Yeah. Do you, okay. Yeah. What's your, this, this isn't one of my questions on my list, but do you like, do you like yoga or do you have you tried meditation? Oh God. If people are going to laugh because I've talked about this in the podcast, I hate yoga. I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it. And I love, I love the idea of it. I'm sure there's been a couple classes I took when I would take it and I would just cry because I'm like, Oh, this feels really good. But that being said, it is not my preferred source of movement because I would rather, you know, I do, I have been trying to meditate a little bit more, which has been very helpful and hard, but helpful. Um, but yeah, it's just not my thing. I just, I've stopped being mad about myself for not doing it. Uh, that being said, I will have it at my gym. Like I do think restorative yoga of all the yogas is really incredible because it is fully stillness. It's not cardio yoga, right? So it's real yoga, but I just, I just don't really like it. I'm, I'm kind of on that train with you. I don't hate it, but I just, I, I think I tried for so long to love it and I was <laughs> forcing myself to love it and I just I know. So that, that's why I like the stillness with activity, like the sauna. Um, I take baths all the time. That's it, not in the summer as much, but baths are my favorite. Oh yeah. I do yeah. morning pages. I write, I write three pages every morning. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Yes. I always have my journal. Oh, I got my adrenal box and I was so excited that I got yes. my journal. Yes. Great. Oh, good. 
I'm so pumped about that. Yay, um, I was excited to create that. <laughs> yeah, that was a good little add in there. How do you come Thank up you. with the boxes? Like do you do you con like do you consult with the other people in the adrenal group? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for the skin and the well, the adrenal one I knew because I had been through the shit. Like I the adrenal program I had hit rock bottom. So I needed the program that I created. I wish I had for myself. And so I used all the things that I had to help me with it. But with the skin program specifically, that was when I really relied on the experts because you know, they're the estheticians and they're the herbalists. And so I was like, what would you have to have in your skincare protocol? So that was a little bit more relying on them because I'm not an expert on skin. Um, the adrenals, I felt like I wanted something just more simple because you can go down the rabbit hole with adrenal supplements. Like there's supplement after supplement for adrenals. So it was like, what do I know would fix the root cause of every single person? So that that's why the oils and the journaling and something more hands-on versus just swallowing pills. That's why I, I was really excited about the adrenal box, but it's a mix and match definitely for sure. Well, I, I can't wait to dive in and use I know. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you think. I had so many people when I posted the picture of the adrenal box, I had so many people message me and be like, are you going to share with me? It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I, mine. I love it. Okay. How do you, I've had, I have a few friends who are just starting, they're starting to get into keto and starting to get into paleo a little bit. How do you kick off this conversation about adrenals without overwhelming someone? Because I always find that I start talking about it and then it's a 20 minute monologue and I've lost them. They're totally gone. Totally. They just, they're out of it. So I, I want to know what you, how you just get it going. I love it. Okay. So it is, I tend to overwhelm people still. So, because I just get so excited. So, so, so excited. So the first thing I would say is that I would be, like, I just love saying, one second, I'm going to make sure I can, oops, it's, it's okay. I'm just going to shut the door on you. <laughs> um, but the first thing that I would say is that um, adrenals is such a, it's going to be such a trendy word soon if it's not already. So I just say adrenal is the root word of adrenaline. So think of adrenaline, think of stress, think of go, go, go that is ultimately what your adrenals do. They monitor when you have to go and when you need to be slow. So go and slow, go and slow. So I think that being said, if I was saying I was stressed out all the time or if I had anxiety or if I feel tired or if my energy is just not where it should be or on the reverse end that I feel like I'm trying so hard but I'm not seeing results, it usually always comes back to that organ, the adrenals that say be fast or be slow because we're always in fast mode and we need to be 20% in fast mode, 80% slow mode. And in today's society, we are completely flipped. So it's just like a, you know, that's like my brief summary of adrenals. They control so much because when you overstress your body, then you cause gut issues, you have blood sugar issues, you have hormone issues, you have fatigue issues, you feel bad about yourself. So it just is like, let's monitor stress. Stress ultimately is the root issue for most diseases and sicknesses and, you know, ailments, I guess you should say. And then from that point, what is, where are your adrenals at? Where is your cortisol at? And that's that whole course is explaining, is my cortisol good? 
I don't even know what that looks like. Or is it bad? What does that look like? And so that's what's really fun because you, you don't just have one cortisol pattern. Your adrenals secrete cortisol. It's highest in the morning and lowest at night. And when your pattern of cortisol is out of that rhythm, that's when we start to feel off. Did that help? Oh, it's just so fascinating. I don't understand how nobody, like, I, uh, I just, I feel like you should have a talk show. <laughs> I would love a talk show. I would love it. <laughs> it would be so great. And it would, like, knowledge bombs all day. That's, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so much to, I mean, I know, I just started the Adrenal Force. So I, I made it through your first section. And I was in a coffee shop and you just start crying because you're just so, I just get so frustrated with all the lies, 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 lies that come out of doctor's mouths that the FDA approves this and this and this to be in a grocery store. And I've been eating it since I was 10 mm -hmm. and it, it just makes you so angry. <laughs> I know it does. You have to calm, I have to calm myself when I, I <laughs> it's kind of, it's crazy because it is. The system is such a lie, right? So even this stupid new publication about coconut oil being bad again, that it happened yesterday. There's another big wave of coconut oil and saturated fat being the absolute worst thing for your body. And I was like, we just did this. Like, why is this happening again? But it is always where the money is, right? So if the truth- everything on Trump now. Yeah, right. <laughs> if saturated fat was the issue- um, or wasn't an issue, then there'd be a big uh, shift in the agricultural industry. And that industry is way too profitable for that to change anything anytime soon. So we just got a lot of work to do. That's for sure. Uh, a lot of work. A lot, a lot of work. work. A lot of work. Um, okay. I'm not saying that I have cheat days, but I'm just saying that when someone gets off the train a little bit, you know, in your opinion, like, let's say someone had a crazy Saturday. In your opinion, what should their Sunday look like? Mm. In terms of food and then in terms of a workout, I guess. Yeah, this is great. So this is um, when I actually do have food that I'm not going to be that okay with? Like say I, like I'm very sensitive to gluten and dairy and not everyone's as sensitive as I am, but for the most part, actually when I'm eating the food, if I don't know what's in it or if I don't really know what's, you know, how bad it's going to be to my system, I actually always carry HCL and digestive enzymes. So I actually carry things that help break that food down a little bit better, first and foremost. <laughs> so this is in, I talk about this quite a bit in the travel challenge, because when I travel, especially to other countries, that's when it's really tough. Because if I haven't had gluten and I accidentally have it and I don't know how to ask if it's there, most actually, actually other countries are really good about it. But for the most part, dairy is the hardest one outside of, glu gluten is different, but dairy is kind of snuck into everything. Um, and so that, that's something huge because those digestive enzymes have lactase. So the enzyme I don't produce and it helps break down dairy. So that's one thing. And then the second thing is if I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I just had so many 
cookies last night or whatever it might be. So most people's cheats are carb heavy and that's the perfect time to go lift heavy weights. And so I really, especially after like Thanksgiving dinner or after a huge, oh my God, I had 500 grams of carbs. Then we use those carbs and the way we can use them in the gym is by lifting heavy weights. And so that's when I would do, I would do like three moves squats, deadlifts, and maybe presses of five by fives or um, three sets of eights and just going a little bit heavier and, you know, resting two to three minutes in between each set, adding weight as you go, doing the build program. That was, that would be like, let's just lift heavy. Let's get the glycogen storages going. Um, And then I would also sprint. So sprinting could be a really good way to end that workout. So instead of, you know, cardio, of course, it's like, I I need to go run five miles. And I think that's kind of the, you know, the thing that we think of, which is it's, and it's not bad. You could totally do that if you have the energy, if you feel good, but if you're not feeling that good because you ate a lot and you're kind of feeling off, um, lift heavy and then just get on the treadmill and do sprint intervals or go outside and do sprint intervals. And then I also am huge. I always, my hangover cure, if I drank too much is charcoal and liver support. So I love doing charcoal can be really helpful. And turmeric, turmeric is another one that I like. All the secrets. (laughs) You're asking good questions, but yes, I've mastered the hangover for sure. (laughs) The food or alcohol hangover for many, (laughs) for many times of experience of, oh shit, what was in my food or like a wedding I just was in. I was like, oh my God, I haven't had this in a minute. Yeah. Events are so hard to, Mm -hmm. it's, you, uh, yeah. The enzymes and HCL are pretty clutch. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, cool. And then. How much time we got? How many, how many more can I do? Two more. Two more. Okay. Okay. And then I got to go work out. <laughs> no, me too. In my shirt. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, okay. We both, I mean, I got the thunder thighs. Okay. I got the thunder th- Another thing we haven't gotten. How, I want to build the strength in there, but I feel like every time I build the strength, they just, hmm. And so how many times, like, how many times a week should I do cardio? Because I, I really hate cardio. Honestly, I hate it so much. Yeah. So I actually, my, so I'm, I'm very similar. So I have, I call it mermaid life, hashtag mermaid life of <laughs> Quadzilla. <laughs> Is that good? Um, I, I was like, we should do, definitely do shirts on this one day. But <laughs> I, I have always, like, it's, you know, I, I have learned so I'm so grateful for my legs. There's days that I obviously am like very much like, what the hell? Like, I hate these jeans. Nothing fits. These are, my thighs are huge. Is this cellulite? Like we all have those days, but I have come a long way with my love for my legs because I used to hate them so much because they were so much bigger than everybody else's, even as a little kid. So, um, when it came to CrossFit, when I first started lifting and getting strong, I just didn't even care. I just really wanted to be as strong as possible. And I didn't care what my legs look like. And that being said, they still just grew. Like they didn't have the shape that I am really, you know, they just grew. And at that time I didn't care because all I cared about was being as strong as possible. Um, but after CrossFit and now more doing this fun, bodybuilding, functional training, the whole program that we're doing for the gym downstairs is it's been so fun because inadvertently I've been able to find 
my best legs ever, I feel like. And I don't know how else to say it except for it's a combination of hypertrophy. So instead of just doing set five sets of five, you would do um, five, 10 sets of eight or something that's a little bit lighter. And you're going to do – so for example, like five sets of five, you're trying to do five – reps as heavy as possible. Five squats. How heavy can I go with true form? And that's great. But what I've switched to is more eight to 12, which is more hypertrophy. So eight to 12 reps. And then you could do anywhere from three to 10 sets of that. So you're actually working more on endurance. You're working more on, um, you know, I, I can't do the same weight I did for five that I did for eight to 12. So it's obviously a little less weight. Uh, and then I combine that with a lot more, um, posterior chain. So that's when I do like glutes and hamstrings. If I keep those in check and I do those three times a week and I don't focus as much on squatting. So I do more deadlifts. I do more hamstring stuff. I do more single leg work. And then I do sprints and jumping, like jumping squats, jumping lunges, box jumps. Um, all of that has been able to, I was like, I think these are the best my legs have ever looked. So I don't know what, you know, it was like a weird shift. <laughs> Does that help? Like it definitely has changed. Like I've loved them through every journey, but I still am like very aware of like how my body has changed post CrossFit. And that's one of the biggest differences I've seen is that I took a little less pressure off of maximum weight, even though I absolutely still do that and I love it. And I do a little bit more accessory work and that's been a big help for me. Yeah. Cause I, 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 it's not, I don't mind having big legs. I just want them to at least be like toned and strong and not so just like, not just like big, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I would just do supersets always. If you guys, obviously the strength programs are a little easier to know. If you've seen my strength program, you kind of know what I'm talking about, but you would do deadlifts and pair them up with, um, some sort of cardio jumping move. That's a big piece of my burn is supersets. And then I would say, if I did do cardio, uh, God, this is tough because I just, I really hate it too, but it would be running outside, sprints on a treadmill. And then sometimes, you know, if I do a long workout, I will just add a, add a lap to the, the circuit. And then that's the running that I do. I don't do a ton outside of that because then my, my body just hates it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Okay, last question. Okay. This one's kind of for me because, you know, I'm an actor, blah, blah, blah. Um, do you have or did you have growing up like a celebrity crush or like someone you loved or admired? Yes. Be guy or girl? Oh, God, I already have it. So I – and I don't – it's so interesting. This is the first couple years where I do not feel the same, per, same way about this person, but – I was obsessed. I think it was, I was 11 when Tomb Raider came out and I was obsessed with Angelina Jolie. <laughs> I mean, I still am. I think she's just like the most beautiful human in the world. Um, I mean, she's definitely had a, had a journey the last few years, but I just think she was always my favorite. I used to have a um, Angelina Jolie movie collection. And then I also really loved Denzel Washington. He was my favorite. He was yeah. Good taste. Those are my two favorites. And then they did this, they did um, a movie together, Bone Collector. Mm -hmm. And that was like, oh my God, this is so good. So those, those two were my favorites. <laughs> I feel like I need to buy you a DVD version of Bone Collector and send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I would die. I mean, I just, 
Denzel is the shit. He's such a G. Like, he's the coolest. Like, I just, I think he's just so rad. And every movie he's in, it's good. It is. And yeah. I, love, I love that he's been married for like 40 years. And he's I just, know. such a good man. We need I more know. of those. I know. <laughs> well, Sheree, Sheree, where can people find you if they want to follow your journey or say hi? Um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm a, my name is Sheree Gabriella on there. Awesome. And your wife is a singer and that's her video yeah. on your profile. She's yeah. a beautiful singer. That was yeah. really fun to see. Um, Glad you watched. I did. I know. Of course. I was like, who am I about to interview? <laughs> this is great. Well, thank you for, again. Thank you. Are you kidding me? I'm so happy. I'm, I'm like cloud nine right now. This day is just, I can't even explain. Yay. I'm so glad. Well, sending all the love. Uh, thanks for being a part of the MFIT movement and tribe and a follower. And I just appreciate all the support. So thank you. I'll see you at Platform Strength. Sounds good. <laughs> I am just so happy you're here, Kathleen, because I listen to you all the time and you and Emily are two of my favorite people. I thought it was so fun when you sent me. So this is how we connected everybody. Everybody, I feel like we, well, I guess I should make sure I let you know that we're jumping into this. This is okay. I love it. This. I love okay. it. Let's do it. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this is Kathleen of Being Boss. If you have not listened to her and Emily's podcast, go subscribe right now. I've been an avid listener for a long time. I found you through my friend, Rachel Griman, and you recently sent me this um, on good old Instagram DMs about ponytail holders. And I was like, yes, this is the best ever. So I just was really excited to finally really connect with you. And it's just so great you're on Meathead Hippie. Well, I am so excited to connect with you. I feel like I was listening to your podcast before it was called Meathead Hippie. And I remember in my gym telling all my guys that I was working out with, because we're always working out barefoot and talking about meditation and CBD oil and just all these different <laughs> things, right? And I was like, you guys, we are such meathead hippies. And then you yes. rebranded. And I was like, Emily Schramm needs to be my friend because... <laughs> We're all in this together, blending the entrepreneurship with the woo, with the lifting heavy weights. It's just, I've been uh, wanting I, to have a conversation with you for so long. I feel so honored. I'm like blushing over here. This is so cool for me. I love that. I also don't know if I know, I, you. Didn't, I need to know more about your lifting weights because this is a side of you that I don't think I hear enough. Um, I know. I never get to me. talk about it. Well, that's why I wanted to chat with you because I see so many links between health and fitness and then being a creative entrepreneur. And so for your listeners who are you know, not familiar with being boss or the work that I do, I am a creative entrepreneur. I've owned my own branding agency for seven years with my sister, and we recently brought on a third partner, and we're expanding and growing like crazy over there. But for the past four years, I've been talking about doing the work and what it takes to be an entrepreneur from the mindset and habits and routines to setting boundaries, to finding your tribe and your support system, to blending the work with the life over on my podcast, Being Boss, which I do with Emily Thompson, who's been my business bestie for years and years. 
years. And so we were hitting publish on these conversations that we've been having behind the scenes that often solopreneurs and creatives who are working by themselves from out of their home or even have a side hustle and are working a day job don't get to hear. Like we don't get to hear the ins and outs and ups and downs of what it takes to build a business and get paid doing what we love. So that's what I do professionally, but my biggest hobby is working out and reading about fitness and listening to podcasts about biohacking and podcasts like yours where you're having conversations about, you know, animal spirits and CBD oil and all the different things. (laughs) So that's kind of what I do for fun. And through that, I mean, I've been working out my whole life and doing things like playing roller derby and jumping out of planes and in general, just being very active and a little daring. Um, But through like really focusing on my routine outside of work in the gym, it's really allowed me to see different links between what it takes to be a creative entrepreneur and what it means to crush your goals in the gym, right? And I'm constantly using the work that I'm doing around health and fitness and nutrition and recovery to teach myself lessons whenever it comes to building a business and making money doing what I love. Mm, I love it. And it's so, I mean, I think for uh, anyone that has listened to you, you and Emily both have just tapped into this. This is, it is okay to have these feelings moments that people are so afraid to talk about. So I really appreciate how vulnerable you are and how open you are on the journey, which is really your message, right? Like it is work. It is hard and it, somebody needs to be talking about it, which I think before you, it was all like, I, I, you know, you guys have been doing your podcast for how long? We've been doing our podcast for almost four years now. Yeah. So it's, I think you're almost on your 200th episodes. You're getting closer and closer potentially. And so I, yeah, I think that it, before you guys, I mean, has, was there really anybody talking about being boss in the way that's not just go, 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 go. It's like, this is why I love you guys is this meathead side. Um, you know, we can have that sometimes in this alpha, in this like masculinity of this driven go, 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 but nobody's talking about the woo woo. And I love that you talk about the woo woo, <laughs> because if I didn't have the woo woo, I wouldn't be able to sustain this. It's just, it's completely unsustainable. And it's also, you just have, you always are f- feeling like you're failing because your expectations are so high that you can't be present. Yeah. And I feel like this is why I'm such a fan of you and what you're talking about and the work that you're doing, because I can tell that you're a total type A perfectionist, just like (laughs) the rest of us. And it really can lead to a lot of burnout if you don't have some boundaries set in place and if you aren't cultivating more than just the work. And so whenever we started being boss, yeah, who were the big players? It was Gary Vaynerchuk who was talking about Mm -hmm. working 16 hours a day. And I wanted to know what his, you know, wife and children thought about that because I'm also growing a family. I've got a four-year-old and a husband and a couple of businesses, and it's just a lot. It's a lot of work, mm-hmm. and you can so easily burn out if you're not staying on top of all the things that it takes to rest and recover and bring your A game whenever you're bringing your A game. I love that. And so I, just to jump in, you know, some of your own mechanisms. Um, I know you talk about this a lot in your podcast and in, you know, the white space and the time, but what are the ways that you really do refill as a creative entrepreneur? I think 
I are all creative entrepreneurs empaths? Is that something that's like a must? <laughs> Is that like a criteria? Or do you feel like you're an empath, or do you feel like um, that might just be a a prime characteristic of most creative entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think a lot of the creative entrepreneurs I know are type A empaths. So we feel and we feel hard and we take it upon ourselves to fix the world and to yeah. crush our goals and all of it. So yeah, those are those are most of the creatives. At at least, you know, what I've attracted into my life is hanging out with a bunch of highly sensitive people. Yeah. But yeah, to at answer your question the best, as right. Yeah, totally. But to answer your question as to how I refuel, a big part of my daily routine is my morning routine. And so I'm waking up and I'm having um, my coffee with my cordyceps and my reishi (laughs) and all of my mushroom powders. And then I'm going from there to, well, okay, before I go to the gym, I do five-minute journaling where I'm making a list of gratitude and trying to get into that high-vibing space where I'm operating from a place of abundance and from a place of creating what it is that I want to make versus a place of fear and lack. So I'm I'm gratitude journaling, and that's been really helpful for me, just making a list. And then I'm going to the gym, and I'm warming up with some movement and some, you know, yoga. Then I'm getting into my weight training or my strength and conditioning, whatever that looks like for the day. After my workout, I'm usually hitting up the sauna for about 10 to 20 minutes. And in that space, I'm really thinking about like aligning my chakras and building a bubble of, you know, capacity and what it is that I want around me. And then I'm coming back home. And by the time I get back home, it's probably around 10 or 1030 by the time I'm, you know, through breakfast and showering and sitting down to do the work. And there was once upon a time where I would have felt really guilty about that. I would have felt like, wow, you're basically working part time because you want to go to the gym and work out. But really, probably just in the past year, I've really embraced this morning routine and this Um, time that I spend with myself. And I literally schedule it in my calendar so that my teams, I have about a team of seven people, both on the Bing Boss side and then in the Braid Creative, my branding agency side. So I'm setting a calendar appointment with myself so that one, my team doesn't schedule over me and schedule me for meetings in the morning whenever I would be working out. And then two, I'm setting that time as the most important meeting and the first meeting of the day. And it's with myself. And whenever I can give myself that time and that respect and show up for myself, I'm able to just so much more show up for myself, you know, the rest of the day at work. Oh, Kathleen, just so you know, we had like a giant glitch, but I think it got fixed. So I'm going to just have you start right at the sauna part. I am so sorry. No, no worries. Well, and we still got it on our quick time, but so that you can hear what I said. Can you hear me now? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Good. Um, So in the sauna, you know, it's just my time to really get my meditation in and also, you know, recover a little bit from the workout. And then after that, I get home and I'm making my breakfast and getting in the shower. And what I was saying is that 
I used to feel really guilty that I wouldn't be sitting down to work until about 10 or 10.30, right? Or sometimes even as late as 11, depending on how long my workout was. And recently, I've just really realized that taking that time for myself and setting that meeting with myself in my calendar so I don't get scheduled over is so important. It allows me to show up to work so much more centered and focused and already feeling successful for the day. And so that's been huge in the work that I do. I love that. I would love to jump into the creating from a place of abundance and not fear, because I think that's such a driving force behind so many people that want success, right? So we want to be successful because we just do not want to have a job that we don't love, or we don't want to live in this place of uh, unsettledness, and we don't want to be poor, and we want to have these good things. So I think so many times we're living in this place of fear, and that's definitely something I've worked on so hard of like, why am I creating? Why am I working? Is it because I fear something? Is it because of the scarcity mindset? Um, switching that to the abundance is so important, and it is such work. I would love to know how you felt, have felt like you can master that in your own life, like checking yourself. Like, when do you know, like, oh, this is coming from fear. Let's change gears. What does that even look like? I mean, I think that I have to look for the symptoms. Whenever fear comes up, I'm experiencing a lot of jealousy or comparison or even just freaking out about things that are no reason to freak out. So I might be freaking out about money, but then whenever I look at my bank account, I'm taken care of. And this is where I've been able to learn through podcasting and being able to speak with so many successful people that no matter how much money you make, it will never be enough. No matter how much fame or influence you have, it will never be enough if you're not really working on cultivating what it feels like to be successful and abundance and to have abundance like on the inside. It is this mm -hmm. inner work that really is so defining, right? And so I just noticed my symptoms of low vibing emotions, including guilt, jealousy, envy, comparison trap. And that's where I know that I'm operating from that place of fear. Or, you know, so what I do is I like to get into this place of acting as if I've already achieved my goals. So for example, if my goal is to you know, let's say be able to deadlift 225 pounds, right? Mm -hmm. I need to behave as if I can already do that. And what that means is that I'm getting into the gym and I'm practicing deadlifts. And the same is true for my creative work that I do. If I want to write a book, I need to behave as if I'm a writer, a best-selling writer, and sit down, open my laptop, and hammer away at the keys for 30 to 90 minutes at a time. Like That's really, for me, all it takes. And what I've really learned is that the process of the work is what defines us so much more than the outcome. And whenever you can attach yourself more to the process and doing the best that you can every single day, Day, then the outcome will start to fall in place, the outcome that you want. But you also might find that you're less attached to the outcome because you're just living in the process. Mm, I love that so, so, so much. Uh, it's so true for all of us is like the, the type A and the empath of it is just so easy to forget of all, forget the whole journey, right? It's just the result, the result, the result. So that's, yeah. I love hearing that. And then for 
it's different than this like analogy of fake it till you make it. Like you were just, you were becoming that person you want. And it, I love that because it's this the whole concept. So I have this little fr- private Facebook group for everybody and it's really raise your vibration. And everyone's like, okay, I love that. And you see like a motivating quote or you see somebody's post and you're like, oh, that felt good. Like I feel inspired. So it's almost this like I'm tapping into that vibration. I kind of feel what that's like. But when we lose that, it feels like we're just right back at rock bottom or we feel empty or we feel like we're just so far from our goals. And it's like trying to match that. And what you just said is such an effortless way of reframing how you can naturally raise your vibration. You just become who you see. And so I guess that's some, that goes back to the fear. So like you guys just wrote this book, right? And so you became the writer before this book even existed. It was in your head. It was in your body to like put out into this world. What were some ways to like get past that fear of, is this going to be good enough? Is this the right (laughs) thing? Is this, you know, I have this pressure because I have this amazing publishing company and a literary agent, all the steps that happen with a book. I can only imagine. I mean, it's definitely on my to-do list, but holy shit, Kathleen, it's (laughs) such, I'd like, I don't want to even touch it for like 10 years because I can only imagine the roller coaster of that. So just that as an example what are ways like you were able to step into that role and and raise that vibration to where you were able to conquer it? Yeah, that's a great question. And I mean, I look at the stuff that you're doing, opening a gym and you have so and creating a physical product. I wouldn't even know where to begin with all of that stuff. So I think that it is easy to look at other people's strengths and think, oh, my gosh, like, how are they even doing that? And here's the deal, too, is I still have my weaknesses and fears throughout this process. And the point isn't to become completely fearless. It's to have the courage to see the fear for what it is and to keep doing the work anyway. And so for me, I have a few different tricks that I go to and they're even tricks that I've written about in the book whenever it comes to pushing past that fear and doing the work anyway. And so one of the first things is just getting really organized and get like on a very practical level, getting my habits and routines in place, setting boundaries and getting organized so that I have the time and structure to do the work. And so really realizing that I have this big ass goal of writing a book, but then breaking it down step by step. So one of the first steps is writing out a table of contents. And then whenever I have those main chapters listed, it's really identifying within each chapter what I want to talk about. And I wrote the book with my co-host, Emily. So we wrote the book together. And at first, we were really super precious about it. And we felt a lot of pressure. And we were losing our voices in that pressure. And then we were able to take a step back. And doing it with each other was really helpful. And just saying, okay, what is it that we really want to be saying here? And so that's one of the biggest tips that I have for just creating content in general is start off your sentence by saying, What I really want to tell you is blank. And then you can just start typing and writing from this place of, um, you know, your message and your voice and what's authentic to you. 
The next thing that I do to get past some of the fear, and this goes to writing a book or public speaking or even hopping on a podcast, is I literally pretend like I have a taxi light on my head and I pull the chain and all I have to do is turn on the light. I don't have to be the most articulate. I don't have to be the smartest. I don't have to be the prettiest. I don't have to be the strongest. I don't have to be the most popular. All I have to do is turn on my light and let it shine. And then trusting that I'm just Mm. doing my best with what I've got. And you better believe I have a better book in me five years from now. Why wouldn't I? But why should that hold me back from writing the book now? So I just want to write the book now. And then the other thing that always motivates me is the fact that we're all going to die. And this sounds really morbid, (laughs) but that could happen tomorrow. That could happen in 90 years. And I just want to create as much as I can within that time. And it doesn't really matter. Like if I'm writing from my best place, if I'm saying what I have to say, if it's not super awesome, I think it's really awesome and I'm really proud of what I've created, but also it doesn't really matter. Uh, Well, I know it's awesome because I mean, you guys just live and breathe everything that you, you are saying and you're with your guests and with your podcast and even your posts. I just, I am so impressed and I'm so grateful that you two are the ones that brought this type of work into a book. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just something that makes me feel really, I, in overall, it's just, there's so much bullshit in this world, right? It's like (laughs) quick fixes and, and especially in the fitness world. And so I got really jaded quickly because I was like, oh my God, the business world is the exact same. This is, this is no different. Like how many Facebook advertisements are we going to get about expanding your reach? And, you know, it's just a new one every single day. And I'm like, oh my God, this is no different. So the world, no matter what industry you're in, it's just full of quick fixes. And, and it, I just love it because you guys brought this. It's not a quick fix. It's just explaining the journey and giving people tools to become the best entrepreneur that they can be. And that's so cool to me. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I think that people can, you know, look at your abs, Emily, and probably the (laughs) first question that you get is what supplements are you taking? And you're like, no, 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 (laughs) this isn't (laughs) supplements. Like, yes, sure. I take some things. But this is, you know, a decade of hard work. And that's what I always say about the podcast. I know. That's what I always say about the the (laughs) podcast and all of it is just that, you know, it's easy to look like an overnight success 10 years later. You just haven't heard about me until now. But I've been back here behind the scenes grinding away every single day. Let's talk about that because I want to know how you, I know how your podcast started with Emily and, um, you know, kind of just this feeling that you should start a podcast, which thank God you trusted your gut. And I would love to talk about intuition too, but starting with you as your own creative entrepreneur, just your own creative before the entrepreneur have you always been like that? Did you, did it take a while for you to kind of embrace your creativity? Um, what was your first step into your own business, the business you have with your sister? Yeah. So I was born a creative and I think that everyone is born a creative, but that is something that was definitely facilitated and fostered in my childhood. I was always in art classes and band classes, and I even went to college and got a degree in fine arts. I thought I was going to be a painter, Mm -hmm. but then whenever I found out how competitive the graphic design program in the fine arts school was, I was like, well, I definitely have to audition for that, right? Mm -hmm. And so I ended up going through school with an emphasis in graphic design, and whenever I graduated, 
I actually got a job working with my sister, who's seven years older than me, at an advertising agency. And so she was a creative director. I became an art director there. And after five years, worked my way up to senior art director. I was the lead creative on the NBA Hornets whenever they were in Oklahoma City for a while after Hurricane Katrina. I got to work on some really cool accounts. And then at the same time, I started blogging and I started really sharing my life in this way where... I was talking about eating locally and kind of just blogging my way through becoming an adult, right? And sharing (laughs) what I was learning along the way about home ownership and remodeling my first house and getting married and cooking really good food and learning how to do all of that. And then... I started attracting other creatives kind of like myself who were wanting to make a living doing what they love. And I had all of this agency background. um, So not only just graphic design, but really learning how to run an agency and run a creative department and bring a lot of strategy to brands. And so I was being asked advice from other creatives about a strategy and about creative and all of that. And then eventually I I actually quit my job in advertising because I wanted to hike to Mount Everest and I didn't have enough <laughs> I didn't have That's enough so vacation awesome. to do it. I know. So I quit my job. I spent a month hiking to Mount Everest through Nepal with my husband. I came back. I documented the journey and really just started to figure out figure it out as I went. And so now I wasn't just blogging about being an adult and eating good food and going on adventures. I was also blogging about navigating my way through being a freelancer and entrepreneurship because, no, I was not born an entrepreneur. I don't come from an entrepreneurial family. My mom and dad value benefits and pensions. So and health, health, your health insurance being paid for by somebody else. And so that's the family I come from. I was one of the first. My brother is a sideshow performer. So he eats and breathes fire for a living and hammers nails into his head. Stop it. I know. Right. But he lives kind of more of like a bohemian freelancer, like (laughs) gig to gig lifestyle. Whereas I wanted to create something stable for myself. And I really do value security and being able to create from a place, again, of abundance and not from desperation. And so in order to do that, I needed to be able to pay my bills. So I was just sharing and blogging the journey along the way and accidentally positioned myself as an expert in working for myself, even though I was totally brand new at, at it. Just by sharing the journey along the way, other people were like, oh, you kind of know what you're doing. And that led into then having the podcast years later, probably, yeah, like three or four years later after starting freelancing. So anyway, about a year after I quit my job, my sister decided to quit as well. And that's whenever we started Braid Creative together. And she had worked her way up to VP at this agency. Um She had options to buy into that agency, and we were like, let's just create it ourselves. And so over the past seven years, we've really been building that up from the ground up. And I just – it's so amazing and fun to be able to do it with people that I like. And now I feel entrepreneurial, but I almost feel like I've created the security of a day job where I'm the boss. So rad. Can you really quickly talk about the Nepal? You so where where did you go? Did you just hike to the base? Did you do where like tell me about your Everest journey? Oh gosh. So it's been oh, let's see. It was in 2008. It's been almost 10 years and it was just such a formative experience where 
I started watching documentaries about Everest and I just didn't understand what a feat it was. I didn't understand the altitude and the cold and all of it. And I just kind of became a little obsessed with it. And so I told my husband, who I think was just my boyfriend at the time. I can't remember when we got married, but um, (laughs) we ended up. We ended up just buying a ticket to Kathmandu and figuring it out. And so we went from Kathmandu to Lukla, Nepal. And this is actually the most dangerous. We flew into the most dangerous airport in the world. And it's on the side of a mountain in Lukla. The plane before ours had crashed (gasps) into the side of the mountain. And fortunately, nobody was injured. But it is kind of a super deadly flight. Oh, my gosh. There's constantly crashes. I know. I was so scared. Is it just the wind? into the mountain yeah I think it's the wind like and it can change on a dime right and so especially at a certain time of day so I remember getting in this flight and seeing the pilots they were basically looking out the window to navigate their way (laughs) around the Himalayas and it was so bizarre because we're flying up in altitude and you know that feeling whenever you're going down to land Mm -hmm. that descent the descent never happens. We're just going up and then landing on the side of a mountain. And so I remember telling my dad beforehand, I was super scared. I was like, what if I die? What if the plane crashes? He was like, well, it's going to happen sometimes. So just put your hands in the air and try and enjoy oh. it. And I was like, oh, my God. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> so we we land in Lukla and we spent, I think it was 14 days hiking up and we went to Mount Everest Base Camp. That's amazing. Yeah, it was so much fun. It was super magical. And then one morning, we actually went up a little bit higher than base camp onto a mountain called Kalapatar and watched the sun rise behind Mount Everest. And it was unlike anything I've ever experienced. And I'm constantly drawing on that experience. Mm. And in fact, my animal spirit that I'm most connected to comes from that experience. So I can share that oh, later. Oh, I can't wait to hear. That's so fun. <laughs> That's so cool. That's like definitely on the – have you done Machu Picchu yet? No, I would love to do Machu Picchu. I was actually just reading about it and thinking, oh, I wonder when I can start taking my kid. Who's He's four years old mm. now, but I'm wondering when I can start taking him on adventures. And I'm trying to train him up to be able to even just hike a mile through the woods right I now. I love it. That's going to be so fun. If you were able to take him, even if he's like, you know, 10 or even 20. That's just incredible. (laughs) I know. That's what I'm thinking is that whenever he's around 10, we can start going on adventures. I want to do high pointing where we go to the highest point in every state and then end on Denali whenever he's 18. I would love to be able to do that. I love that. I don't know if I've heard of that terminology before. High pointing. Yeah. I think that means you're going to come to Colorado soon. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, what's funny is that I, I've always dreamed about being in Colorado. And before we did Everest, we were like, we need to train. <laughs> so we flew out to from Oklahoma City. We live in Detroit now, but we were in Oklahoma City and we flew into Denver. And so already there's an elevation gain of like five or 6,000 feet. Yeah. Within maybe six hours later, we're hiking up Pikes Peak <laughs> in brand new boots. I had the biggest blister on the back of my heel. We were just wasted from the altitude. It was insane, but it was a really fun That's trip. That's so fun. My um, So my mom's boyfriend, he runs that every year, that marathon that goes up. And it's insane. Oh I know. They're insane. It's just like... 
they it's so much running and it's also at ridiculous altitudes but I don't know. Doing that in new boots is equally as crazy. <laughs> well, yeah. It. And I was in so much pain. We were just yeah. one step at a time. And I remember there were a couple of kids smoking weed the whole way up and just running past us. And I was so embarrassed that we were doing so bad. There's this thing that's close by Pikes Peak called the Manitou Springs Incline. Have you heard of the incline before? No. It's so fun because it's these old railroad tracks and they've actually done it, made it a little bit nicer and less um, tetanus prone. But it's, <laughs> it's this really steep, like one, a little over one mile straight up. So it's just giant stairs that you go up and you get this beautiful view and it's really hard. And it's like Apollo Ono's, um, he has the record time, I think, of running up it in 23 minutes or something ridiculous. So Oh, wow. um, you know, everyone's legs are shaking at the top and it's just super cool. It's like this fun little Colorado challenge. Uh, we take the impacts up there quite a bit, but I always hate it because similar to what you had with your people smoking weed, there's people barefoot with like just ba- like barely any clothes on, like just p- pretty much like a little, you know, those little short man running shorts or the yeah, short jogging yeah. shorts from the 80s, just barefoot running up of it, coming down, running up, coming down. I'm like, this is insane. Oh like no matter what, there's just, you will, there's so many fit people in Colorado. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no matter the amount of marijuana they smoke, it's just insane. I don't know right, how they do it. Right. <laughs> oh, that's so great. So you got into the, um, and this is what's funny. You mentioned this earlier about like you're opening a gym in a physical location. And it's so true. Like everyone listening, like the reason I'm documenting it is because I'm like, is this really fucking happening? This is crazy. Like this is so <laughs> bizarre because it's, I've been online for so long. Online creation yeah. is my jam. I love it. I'm good at it. And I, I have so much fun with it because I feel like I can check all the boxes with the creative spirit that I am. So putting that and making, like I had to really shift my focus when this happened, when this started, because it was like, you know, you're so, you're so used to this way and it's just so not what I'm naturally good at. You know, it's like the, the things that you have to be on top of and the details and just everything. It's like, it is such a challenge for me. And so instead of letting that overwhelm me, which it still can very quickly, I have to constantly be like, this is just like that deadlift, right? It is just like, if for you writing a book, like you just are that person and then you have, you have to step into that role. So it's like this really hard switch for me, but I am very curious with you, you know, when you're getting into this, when you got into this entrepreneur role, um, some of the things, I think that's what a lot of my audience struggles with is like, we have the desire and the passion and the creation. And when we see something like growing a business and not taking any of that, those numbers personally, because it it becomes something that we tend to identify with, how, you know, how do we step into that role and not feel less about ourselves? Or how do we step into that role and um, get back into that cycle of it's just never enough? (laughs) Yeah, I think that first and foremost is trusting that you can do hard things. And this is where I think, having a practice, a physical practice in the gym or whatever it might be is so helpful in being an entrepreneur because you're coming against challenges and trying to hit new PRs and better yourself every day. And some days you just feel like shit. Like some days you just can't do it and you just need to lay down in Savasana for an hour (laughs) and meditate instead or just hit the sauna and sweat it out. You're not always going to be the best, right? And so I think that this is where 
really trusting yourself and trusting that you can figure it out. So I don't always trust that I'm going to be the best or that I'm going to be the richest or the most popular, but I trust that I can figure it out as I go. And I trust in my decisions. I trust that even if I'm making maybe not a great decision, that I'm making a decision and moving forward. I'm pushing the ball forward in some way. So that's the biggest thing is just trusting yourself and finding whatever it is that you need to do in order to cultivate that trust. And so it might be pulling from other areas and other aspects and other experiences in your life. And then also trusting that you're figuring it out as you go. And so is everybody else. Like even Beyonce is figuring it out as she goes. And sometimes being in a beginner mindset is the best way to be innovative and do things in a different way. Because if you're doing things the way that they've always been done, then you're not really creating anything new. So putting your own spin on it and really figuring it out as you go can open whole new doors for you and for the people that you serve. Um, One thing that I really like to do and this exercise is in the book, is I like to pretend like I'm having a dinner party with my biggest mentors. And so sometimes I'm inviting people to my table, including Beyonce and Brene Brown and Kanye (laughs) West and Bernie Sanders. And I'm imagining these people sitting at my dinner table and I'm asking them for advice and really trying to figure out what they would tell me to do. And so whenever I don't have the strength you know, within me, I pull on these archetypes or on these, you know, actual literal people and imagine, okay, what would Beyonce tell me to do in this situation? (laughs) Right? Like she would tell you to figure it out. She would tell you to get to work. She would tell you to stop feeling sorry for yourself. If I'm having fraudy feelings, what would Kanye tell me? (laughs) Right? (laughs) I love this. Yeah. (laughs) And so this has been a truly, I know it sounds kind of silly, but it's been a truly helpful tool in just doing it anyway and really getting out of my own way and getting out of my head and figuring it out as I go. Uh, you, I'm so glad you mentioned Brené Brown because I was going to mention, you know, this podcast and I almost forgot. So I'm so glad because I need to tell you about this moment that I had with you and Brené Brown in my car. <laughs> Let's <laughs> so hear Emily it. too, um, which I cannot wait to eventually meet your, your other half soon. But I think... So I was driving and it was a while ago because I was so stuck. I mean, I'm not kidding you. You know, you know that feeling when you know something isn't quite right and you have, you feel like, you know, I feel like I can think of answers and resolve answers very quickly. Like that's something I j- I'm always able to improvise and pivot. But when you really get stuck on something, that is the scariest place. Cause you're like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like I, I'm out. Like I, I can't figure this out. And I don't know that like that feeling, it just feels like the biggest the biggest wall in front of you, you know? And so I was listening to, um, it was one of my, my first podcasts that I listened. So it was a while ago and it was you and Brene Brown and Emily. And I remember just hearing the, the things that you were asking and the things that she was saying. And I just, I could not stop crying. I mean, I was just like in such tears of just like, oh my gosh, this is so everything that I'm feeling. And it was in that moment where I like, got out of my head. I just released it. I felt understood. And I felt like this, this craziness that I have and the stuck feeling that I have is, is so temporary. And for whatever, I wish I, you know, I'll pull up the couple lines that helped me get through that. And then in that moment was when the answer for figuring out this 
company. I didn't know what to call it, but I had this idea and it, it finally like, it was like a universe whisper to me, the body awareness project. And it was just all in that mm-hmm. one car ride of like, I'm going to release this. I'm okay. It's okay to feel these feelings. It's okay to feel this like heaviness, let it go. And then as soon as I released it, it was like this new business idea that filled and it was everything that I wanted it to be. And I was just like, oh my God, that was it. So I just, I first thank you for that great talk and that great interview with her. And <laughs> and it's just so true is like, we tend to get so, uh, yeah, we've, we've already addressed this, but like knowing that it's okay to have those, those feelings is just so important. Um, and the sauna, the sweating it out sauna has happened so many times for me of just like, my body doesn't need this. I just need to sit and be hot. This is all I can do today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I And I have so many questions that I want to ask you around the body awareness project and adrenals. And this is why I'm such a fan of your work is that our body holds so many clues for us. And even that stuck feeling, I don't know if you've experienced this, Emily, but whenever you're feeling stuck, if you can move it through your body, like almost creating space in your body to then find the answers and to let that inner wisdom come through you, it's just, it's huge. And so sometimes really literally sweating it out for me will create space where I can think just a little bit more clearly. And then, you know, even coming back to doing hard things, one thing that I've been experimenting with lately, I'm kind of going off topic, but is doing hot and cold showers. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's nothing harder <laughs> than turning that shower nozzle all the way to cold. But I just tell myself, if I can do this, I can do anything. And it's so small and little, but it really does impact a yes. lot of the other things that I end up doing. Yeah, and that's the phenomenon of why I got so addicted to being a trainer. Like I had no idea that training would be my full time career, you know, but I, as the more I did it, it was really because I felt when I did hard things in the gym, I started change my character changed. Right. So it was how I carried myself. It was how I talked to myself in the mirror. It was, I had a standard that was raised because of the ability that I was just showing my body like, yeah, I can lift that weight. And so that's what I became addicted to showing people is like that translates so well. It's so much more than working out to lose weight, working out to fit in those jeans. It's working out so that you can crush your life in ways that you could never even tap into. And oh my God, it is so hard to put it on the cold nozzle. I am so bad at it. I'm so (laughs) bad at it. (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay, that's enough. I do this all the time too. That's so funny. I love that you do that. Oh my gosh, it's so hard. It is. And then I know that it's only going to get harder because once I get used to that cold shower, which I've started getting used to, I'm like, great, here comes the ice baths. Like, that's what's next for me. You better get ready, Kathleen. But I think... Oh, go ahead. One thing I wanted to ask you about is just kind of... I I don't have the idea fully formulated, and this is why I love talking with people like you, is this idea of visualization combined with intuition combined with belief. Mm. And so one thing I've been experimenting with lately in my workouts that I'm going to apply then to my business is what if instead of 
punishing myself, which is what I think so many people do in the gym? What if I'm loving on myself? And what if I'm believing without a shadow of a doubt that I'm going to be able to crush my goals from lifting that heavy weight to reaching the aesthetic, you know, look and feel that I want? What if I just really, truly believed it and visualized it and then used my intuition to get me there? So that's something I've really been experimenting with. And I believe that um, people like yourself who are going and winning challenges on TV and just crushing it in all of the places. Like, do you think that some of that is in just this unshakable belief and visualizing it before it happens? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, and I, I always kind of think of, it's fun to know how you were as a kid and getting those character traits that we have as a kid with your parents um, to just see what is what comes a little bit more natural to you. But one thing that always came natural to me was um, not necessarily being in in the spotlight. That was something that I hated. I was always really shy. Uh, so that was hard for me with the TV thing that to kind of get into myself without feeling like a little bit on the spotlight. I really, really think the biggest thing was if I can just close my eyes and picture it in my head over and over and over again, I, I'm good. I can totally... I can totally conquer this. So even as a little kid, I was just fearless. Like I would, you know, do weird things like climb sleds or climb uh, slides and fall off and be fine and just do it again. It also means I had a ton of concussions <laughs> and I would catch bees, you know, but I always was just relentless in that if I wanted something, I would get it. And I think that that was the thing that when I forget, you know, when I'm at my lowest point, whether it's because I'm like, oh my God, I have to, I know it sounds so extreme, but even these eliminations on these challenges, it's like life or death. Like they put that you in that mm. situation because that's what it triggers in your body is this life or death situation, which why is why it makes great TV. Um, but even with business, like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? And then you just think, well, look at all the things that you thought you couldn't do, you know? And there was, there's some, a really great, um, I think it's a Bukowski quote of like, you know, I remember all the times that I felt this, that I was never going to make it. And then I did, you know, just basically saying mm -hmm. you're the feelings of, I can't get through this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. The only thing that gets me through it is I just close my eyes and I'm like, look what you did so far. You know, even if it was the challenge or like winning something that was on TV and, you know, so silly in the, in the big picture, or if it's, building a business, it's like you have done it and you can do it again, no matter what. So but yeah, visualization is really clear or really huge for me. But I think coming to the adrenal piece, the kind of that cortisol piece, that is really where I think my life switched around because I started seeing things a little bit differently because when you look at your hormone health and how your hormones shape the way you see the world, that's the next step for me, it was like, if I'm seeing this world constantly in a stressed state, then what does that mean for even my deficiencies, my nutritional deficiencies? Am I getting the nutrients to help my brain work the way I need it to? Am I getting the sleep I need? Because, you know, my body is saying you need the sleep, but in my head, I'm so stressed and I'm so on go mode that I'm not, I'm not able to get that sleep. And so it's just this full circle. I think you know, and you can appreciate this, like we're all onions and intuition is just peeling back layer after layer after layer. And I think sometimes those layers are, of course, our own belief system, but they're also 
toxins in our environment and the food that we eat and, um, you know, punishing our body in, in the gym instead of doing the good things that our body's craving. So I think those layers, the more we can tap into intuition means the more we can get rid of the bullshit. And that just takes a lot of time to figure out for people. But oh my God, when you do that, that's when you are able to see something go wrong quickly. Like, okay, I'm, I, I feel myself getting off of, you know, about to fall off this cliff. I can pull it back quicker than if we're just kind of going through life and not sure what's what. We just fall off the cliff and then all of a sudden we're at the bottom looking up like shit, <laughs> you know. So right. so I think it's just it, that intuition for me is really it, – it came um, – because a lot of people ask like, well, how do you know if it's intuition and gut instinct and all of that? It's like, well, I think the more you just tap into your true health, like knowing what what your hormones should feel like, knowing what your adrenals should be like, knowing what your sleep should be like and what you should feel like in the morning, um, those types of things can all help tap into that a little bit quicker. But yeah, I... Yes, yes, all of that. And that's what I really, this is why I'm so passionate about health and fitness almost as a hobby is that it's not separate from your success as in your relationships, in your career, um, in your hobbies, in all of it. And whenever you can get all everything on point, and I do think that it is starting with your health, you're going to be so much more like health is wealth, right? And I know that that's a cliche, but the older I get, the more true it becomes and the more tapped into my health, I become the more tapped into my intuition, which allows me to make better decisions in my business. And it allows me to be a better mom and a better partner. And it just, it's all tied together. And so I think that's why I'm so fascinated by people like you who are doing this kind of work, because I think it facilitates and fosters everything else to be so much better. Yeah. And and then when you find it, it's like, ah, that's it. You know, it's like you, I think it's just such a good feeling because it, for every single person, when you become body aware, you all of a sudden have zero hate on your body. There's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no dig, 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 dig. Something's not right. It's just saying, I know what it is. And I, and in that way I have control. Like we all do want control in some way. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but if we're constantly looking for control and counting calories or and getting to the workout at 5 a.m. every single morning or checking all the boxes like that type of control I think can run our life but the type of control that's just saying I know what's happening like it's a it's just education and knowledge that that type of control I love because then it changes your perspective of, of your own body which means it's it's something that's um you're not a shell and you're not stuck in the shell that you don't love you start to learn how to love it because you understand it for the first time. Uh it's so true like knowledge is power and then you can be become so much more grateful mm. for how complex our system is. And once you can cultivate gratitude in your body for your body, for me, I found that I'm then starting to achieve the goals that I wanted whenever I was counting my macros and waking up at 5 a.m., mm. you know, to do the workouts and instead really seeing. Okay, so for example, this morning, um, I was planning on, you know, hitting the gym and doing my typical morning routine, but my little kiddo was up all night with like a barking cough and I think he has croup and mm-hmm. 
that will keep a mom awake all night. And so I'm really fortunate that my husband took the morning off to work from home and I slept in. So I could have used that time to wake up and grind it out in the gym. And I thought, no, actually what my body really needs right now is more sleep so that I can have a good interview with Emily so that I can, you know, tackle the rest of the day and take care of this sick little kiddo, right? And so I think that from that place of kind of gratitude and awareness and self-love, honestly, you're able to make better decisions Mm. along the way. Yes. Oh, I love it. Body awareness equates to self-love, no matter which way you go about it. Like I've never, that's why I think my MFIT challenge when I, I had no idea when I started it, but this 21 day program of teaching people about their body, like for me, it was like, well, let me give them something to think about while they're also cutting sugar. And then it turned into, oh my God, those those videos, those snack bite pieces are, are what is keeping them wanting to cut sugar. And it was just this big connection of like, that makes so much sense because it's exactly how I was. I wasn't going to change until I knew how this affected my body or how dairy, you know, cause asthma. Like those, you know, those yeah. things were like light bulb moments. So the more you can have those light bulb moments, I just, I love it. So, um, yeah, I'm so, I'm so grateful you're into this. What is your favorite lift? I mean, deadlift, <laughs> like a trap bar, a trap bar deadlift. Yes, it, yes. I just even posted on Instagram the other day. I was like, it just feels like coming home, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I love that. And all of my lifts are really super basic. My friend, Luke Tyree, he owns a gym in Oklahoma City called Grain Strength. Okay. And he does all of my programming from afar. And truly, it's those habits and routines and um, that kind of – I know routine that I have of lifting and really getting into my body, it's allowed me to make a cross country move and it's allowed me to really still feel like myself even whenever everything else is being shaken up in business and in life and all of the things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I find that getting back into the gym and doing these really basic lifts and just getting into my body it really makes me feel at home in myself every single time. But yeah, a deadlift. I love, I love it. it. That's one of my favorite quotes. I When I feel really, really crazy, you know, how we all have like, oh my God, I'm so crazy right now. I just am like, get out of your head and get into your body. And there's nothing yeah. that will do that, like lifting heavy shit. And that heavy shit could be 45 <laughs> pounds. It could just be the barbell. It could be the it could just be the trap bar it, or it could be what you see people posting on Instagram, squatting 500 pounds. It could be whatever it means, right. but it feels it's so become, you know, it's just everyone needs to do it. If you feel crazy, just go go lift some shit. <laughs> I've also been playing with getting more intuitive about my workouts. Mm. And so I found recently that I was kind of going off the programming and really getting into the gym and feeling my way through what it is that I wanted to be doing. And I'm so used to being that type A, following the rules, what's my programming, um, that really tapping into that intuition whenever it comes to my workouts has really helped me achieve the goals that I've been seeking. Um, but even more recently, I found myself wandering around the gym and I was like, I don't really know what to do next. So I did call up my trainer and I was like, hey, can you write me some programming? But yes. here's what I'm feeling. I was like, I'm really wanting to get into some lightweight kettlebell complexes, like where I can just work on my skills, 
do some swings, do some fun, like almost combining yoga with kettlebells, yeah. right? Like I want something that feels more like a flow. And so that's what I love about having a trainer that knows me and knows my goals so well is that he can say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Let's check in in two weeks and see how it's working for you and how you're feeling. He was, But also giving me kind of options. Like if you're not feeling this, do this instead. Or if you're feeling like you can go heavy, you know, rate it on a scale from one to 10 and use that as your weight gauge versus him saying you need to be doing 150 pounds. Like it's really based on feeling what I'm feeling that day and acting accordingly. I love it. And this is so cool because especially, you know, when you dig into your adrenals and your stress patterns and as an entrepreneur. So originally this box that comes with it was going to be called the boss box because I was so obsessed with it because I was like, this is this is everything. I do not know why my workouts are struggling. This is why I quit CrossFit. I And I didn't connect mm. the two for a long time, but it was when I was also trying to be a be a boss when I was being my own boss and I launched the MPAC. And then I was also still maintaining the same workout load that I was doing before that when my body fell apart. And that's why I was like, wait, what is going on? And so the, yeah. the kind we talk about this a lot in the course of like, you feel like you ran a marathon, right? And then you get into the gym. And so what I do is I'm like, okay, what did, instead of feeling guilty about how I feel, feel when I walk into the gym, like, why do I not want to lift heavy? Or why do I want to go effing crazy? Like I might've had this on the program, like this is my plan, but it looks, it's just not right. And it usually is because for me personally, it's like, I think that maybe I did a little, maybe not too much, but in my work was the prime focus. Like it's work was the focus. And if I, when I get, got to the gym, it was my body saying like, yeah, this is, we got to do something that the whole concept of the sauna, like we have to change this. And it's so cool to understand that, that ebb and flow. And when you understand it, you can be intuitive with your workouts. Just like you said, I just, I really love that. Um, what are your, what can we talk about your, uh, Everest animal spirit? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What is your spirit animal, Kathleen? Okay, so the I I actually woke up in the middle of the night thinking about this and thinking about you know animal spirits and how all of us as human beings have so much to learn from just the animals and plants around us and I was thinking about how these different animals have showed up for me throughout my life. So I remember riding my bike whenever I was 12 years old and this huge grasshopper just landed right in the middle of my chest and it stayed there for hours while I just rode around my bike on my neighborhood. And like, I wish I'd known then that that animal had something to teach me or even whenever I was pregnant and paddle boarding out in the ocean in Sayulita and this huge like leopard print stingray started (laughs) dancing under my board and what did that stingray in that moment have to teach me but the animal that keeps showing up for me time and time again my whole life that has brought me so much wisdom and strength and grounding energy has been a yak and oh. so or you know a cow like anything in the cow family oh so cows gosh. bulls yaks and so whenever I was in Everest there are so many yaks on the trail and they're carrying so much weight and they are just so beautiful and majestic and I love them so I much like they this. are <laughs> yes they're just beasts to be respected and they have so much strength and I just feel so connected to to a yak. I, you are my first yak. I am. This is amazing. <laughs> I love it so much. I'm wondering, um, 
I don't have yak in my book and all I want to do is read about the yak because this book has almost everything. Um, I know. But a cow so doesn't I think do that, it quite justice. I know. So I was looking in that book because I think that we both have it. I've had that same book. And I what's the author's Stephen name? Stephen Farmer. He's, yes. he's so amazing. I love him. So I listened to your episode with him as well. And I remember that being an issue that it wasn't in that book. So I looked up the bull oh. and – it seemed there's a bull in that book and it seemed pretty similar. But yeah, I feel like the yak has this extra level of like at altitude. Yeah, it's like a what different... is a bull at altitude? <laughs> yes, what does totally. it mean? Yeah, or like an ox. I could see like a maybe an ox for sure. Like a yeah. a musk ox or something that's just kind of like Yeah, I love that so much. That's you're definitely my first, but I so see it. I think and that's what I love helping people figure out is like it really just comes to you. You can't take a quiz. You just got to, you either got to go through some spiritual journey with a, I don't know, ayahuasca or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden right. you, you'll find it. But that, I think that's perfect. Um, I love it. <laughs> just one step at a time, right? And that's what I've time. learned from the yak is one step at a time. And I've drawn on that energy so much through giving birth to my son on my bed at home to, you know, launching a new product um, online to just figuring it all out. It's just one step at a time. <sighs> God, that's a perfect place to finalize this amazing interview. I feel so honored. Um, I know if you guys have not I mean, you really should have already stopped this podcast and subscribed to theirs because I love it so much. <laughs> um, you can find everything on beingboss.club. Um, you can find Anne Kathleen, uh, her Instagram, Anne Kathleen. And also, are you on Twitter as well? I'm not on okay, Twitter. Cool. So we'll stick with Instagram. Yeah. And then where else um, besides the Being Boss podcast should people go? I mean, Being Boss is probably where it's at. We have a ton of resources on our website and quizzes and fun things that you can do at beingboss.club. And then my branding agency is braidcreative.com. So if you're interested in personal branding and blending more of who you are into the work that you do, I write a ton of articles and you know, hopefully helpful posts over there at Braid Creative. Absolutely helpful. Um, I Again, I'm just so excited that we got to talk. This is so fun for me. And me I love too. that you listen to me and hippie. That makes me feel so special. Uh, I love your podcast. Oh man, you just made my whole day. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kathleen.